0: Welcome back in, everyone, to another fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a wonderful guest today. We are being joined by the Drama Desk Award-winning performer and playwright, Lamise Isak, whose upcoming new show, A Good Day to Me, Not to You, is kicking off Waterwell's 20th anniversary, and it's playing November 8th through December 9th at the Connolly Theater, You can get your tickets and more information by visiting waterwell.org, and this is a very fantastic one-person tour de four storytelling show. We can't wait to bring it to you, and we're so honored to be having this incredible playwright and performer on our show. So let's go ahead and welcome on our guest, Lamise. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper.
1: Thank you for your welcome. Thanks for having me. How lovely.
0: What a lovely intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm excited to talk about this show though, because as I was stating and reading in the press release, I mean, it it is, it's a tour de force. It's an incredible storytelling journey. And for those of us who are older, out of our 20s, we'll say, you know, this is almost like a relatable story, too, because of what happened to the character. So I am doing like the worst description ever. (laughs) So why don't I go ahead and throw it to you and have you tell us a little bit about what A Good Day to Me Not to You is about.
1: A Good Day to Me Not to You is about a 40, let me say a 40 whatever, former dental lab technician's assistant, mouthful who loses her job and moves into St. Agnes residence, which is a woman's rooming house run by nuns. This place actually exists. It is on the Upper West Side. I did live there for five years during my early thirties. This is a purely fictional story, and but I have placed this middle-aged character back in this very unique living environment where she is kind of mourning the death of her sister who had died five years previous during childbirth and also kind of going through her own, you know, sort of facing her own untaken path to motherhood and all that comes with that once you reach your 40s and above. So it's a real exploration. It is an exploration around grief, around longing, around the different ways in which we form and make families and how sometimes you are just... You, you know, what choices do you make when you have limited choices? There is, you know, so that's <laughs> that's the uh, that's not the elevator pitch. That's like you would have to ride 10 floors to get that. But <laughs> that's basically what it's about. You know, the character is like me. She's Palestinian-American. Uh, she's this one. She's Palestinian and Lebanese-American. So I take little bits from my life, but it is not at all a Uh, it's not an autobiographical show I wanted to kind of go the way of fiction to explore the things that I've been thinking about during middle age yeah so that's what it's about also it's funny and there's a fun little cast of characters because the space she shares at what we call the convent it's you know there are all kinds of people there a lot of whom are maybe just a little bit deranged but uh, also have their own journeys so how she interacts with those characters and the way she kind of, the direction, like she's, you know, you're pulled in one way, you're pulled in another. So we we hope we hope that she kind of comes out of it with her sanity intact. <laughs> That's what we hope for her. Yeah.
0: Love that, though. What an incredible tale. Now, you yeah. did mention, I mean, you've kind of got some skin of the game and that you, this is a real place. You did live there at one time. What exactly inspired you to write this story, this particular tale?
1: Yeah, I had been, well, speaking of pandemics, as we were talking about, we were talking about 2020, I was start. I wanted to kind of, I always wanted to explore the strangeness of my time at St. Agnes. It was just, you know, you have like your own room and you shared the kitchen with a hundred women and the kitchen was like, had a hot plate and a half melted microwave. And the women that lived there were artists and students and like Big sort of group of Filipino women, older Filipino women, a group of older, like very territorial women, nuns lived there because it was also a convent for nuns. There was a chapel. It was just sort of like this wonderful, wild place that is, I mean, I feel like you only find those places in New York. And I always wanted to kind of figure out how do I talk about my time there? But I didn't want to do it autobiographically because I'm like, my life's not that interesting. So how can I go, how can I find the the right story for it? And then sort of flash forward, you know, 10 years. And I'm also thinking about how to build family with limited resources. I'm getting older, middle-aged women. We're just so popular. Everybody wants to talk about us. (laughs) Ooh, everyone cares and I, I I wanted to talk about the sort of longing for children when you don't have the resources and what that looks like as your your own fertility is <laughs> waning. and I thought, okay, well, why don't I put that person in this place because it's a place where you can find a lot of I guess for lack of a better word salvation it can be a very like kind of meditative interesting place and also, there's a lot of loneliness and weirdness in these places too. That's all. it's like a liminal, transitional place. So I just thought, oh, this could be kind of fun to explore all these different threads inside a place we we that's unique. So yeah, it's and you can still go there. I mean, when I moved there in 2004, rent was like 435 dollars. I mean, right next to Fairway on the Upper West Side. Exactly. You know, you're like rent what? <laughs> and you know. It was weird and lots of, the, a lot of the people that lived there are really territorial about where they sat and their tables and you can't do certain things. And I was always getting in fights with these older women and yeah, it was great. I was, a, you know, it was, it was just so strange. But yeah, I, I come from a Catholic family. So the Catholicism was really interesting to me inside that space. My mom went to school with nuns in Nazareth, you know, she and it's just, you know, being from sort of the holy land you have a kind of different relationship to it so all of those things yeah all of those things made me want to set it there just it's unique it's just unique and you can meet so many so many kind of forgotten people kinds of forgotten people you would meet at a place like this you know it's not super sexy it's not you know slick it's people suffering something it's people with limited resources like as i keep mentioning it's people who are especially uh, older women you know you kind of forget them in our society
0: yeah. it's a very real side of the yeah. world that exists it's not that homey 1980s family sitcom where everything works out it's like mm, but here's the real way it works out sometimes yeah. So yeah. i love that
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: so as we head into the opening that's happening on November 8th and this is the world premiere of the show what has it been like developing this piece
1: it's been really fun i wrote it in 2020 when everything was quiet and i would i i live in la and i would instead i live in a really tiny studio and listen it was nice to have space you know i would go into my car and i would park it um, like on the bluffs overlooking the beach <laughs> because you couldn't can, you can go to the beach. So I rode it in my car. <laughs> and a lot of people were parked on that street doing work because everybody needed to sort of get out. So I gave it to Jim Nicola, who was the artistic director of New York Theater Workshop at the time. And my theater company, which I founded, I'm no longer the artistic director of Nor Theater. We were a company in residence at New York Theater Workshop. And I said, do you, do you have time to read this? <laughs> and he did and he became a champion of it and he connected me with Lee Sunday Evans and of course I'd known that Lee was the artistic director of Waterwell and I have a relationship with Arian and so there were some really nice crossovers and then we did we've just been doing we kind of just hit it off we did a couple workshops with New York Theatre Workshop virtual ones we did this wild sort of festival in aspen called the solo Flights festival which is where we really got to know each other i didn't know lee and except sort of virtually and we were now sharing an apartment and working on this very personal show and but there was just like a nice kind of warmth and rigor to to the working process so i think you know and then we just we just kind of kept going and the development process has been fun. Like when you have the right partners, it's fun. And it can kind of open you up. You know, I feel like I've been pushed beyond comfort zones, definitely as a performer and as a writer, and to kind of think, you know, and you have all these wonderful people around you shepherding you, it not only gives you sort of new ideas and gets you out of sort of certain pathways of thinking, but then your intuition kind of comes into comes into this sharper place. And I think just, just having good collaborations is everything, everything, everything. So it's been so fun to see it come together and and also just astonishing. I kind of can't believe it, you know. So, so it's been fun. We were at Williamstown this summer, which was really fun. And that sort of kicked us off into a new space as well. Yeah. It's that place where you don't want to overdevelop something and be in like a development hell you know but you want just the right sort of amount and I think I think we've had the right amount and 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 you you also just tighten your relationships with those collaborators you become closer you know short you have shorthand so when we got into this rehearsal room it was like ah we're ready to go we've just been developing all summer you know so that's very it's just lovely and it's rare and it's not to be taken for granted
0: I love that. So with all the development, with this wonderful story and having these these real ties to your personal life, is there a message or a thought you're hoping audiences will take away from the show?
1: You know, I've had different, you know, over the over the last three years putting this up in in like reading form in front of audiences, people have kind of I, I feel what people come away with a couple of things. Some who are in middle age or who are sort of reaching maybe a point where their fertility is sort of waning have really felt seen by it. People who've experienced loss. I feel like there's something in the play about community. There's something in the play about reckoning with an unfulfilled longing unfulfilled longing and what that can sometimes do oh man i wish lee was here (laughs) to leak and like succinct i'm like oh here are ten hundred thousand threads but i i i hope that people walk away maybe understanding something that a lot of us are going through and dealing with in terms of putting up creating family fertility the world of fertility treatments which is like an absolute show it's it's untenable it's you know gosh i'm really killing this interview andrew i don't know i feel like there's something gentle in it a kind of that that there's a forgiveness of self that we don't get out of our grief alone and that there's a little more visibility for this age group right and to care yeah and hopefully you'll have some some laughs, <laughs> too so, you know we're 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 you know we have some comedy in the show as well it's not all just like heavy it's 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 light in a lot of moments yeah and I think you know kind of representing Palestinian Lebanese character speaking to her life speaking to a very particular part of her life I hope that that reaches people as well you know sometimes you feel as a coming from sort of a marginalized community or BIPOC communities like you have to speak to very specific parts of your culture which I've done and I've loved and I will continue to do but also to say that oh this is a more holistic look at this person this person's humanity that we can maybe talk about these other aspects of life these other avenues you know we don't always have to talk about And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now and a lot of pain in our communities. So, but to be able to talk about life in a different kind of way and different, I feel like there's some, there's some power in that and some real, you know, that we get to be hyper-specific in our human experience and that we don't need to be told what we need to say or what we need to represent a right we can say this is my full human experience this is an aspect of it and i hope that that is healing and a balm to my community in whatever way it's an offering you know it's, it's my offering right now and i hope yeah like life is outrageous in new york i mean what can i say you know i i, I you know the the whole the good day to me not to you title is based on this actual story that happened to me when I was on Subway in like 2002, when I first got here. And uh, it's a whole interaction that I put in the play in a different context because it was so weird. And my friends would constantly be at me going, tell that story. Tell the good day to me, not to you story. And it was just kind of like a party trick. And then I started, I sort of collecting these stories of these like always sort of older women, older white women, I don't, I don't know who would... Just come to me out of the blue and say insane things or sort of uh, uh, you know approach me in these antagonistic ways. And I was kind of an idiot and I would go back at them instead of being like, okay, this is a person with probably, you know, who's had a very hard life who has mental illness. calm down. But you're always on guard so those those I would just would those would be the stories I would tell to my friends who would ask me to tell them over and over again. And I was like, these stories have to go somewhere. Where can I put these stories so there there are like three in the play that actually happened to me, and you have to be able to laugh at it or you just lose your mind? I mean, you know the pressures of living in a in New York and also the whole, and I would like I don't know anyway. I can go into that if you want me to go into that and just kind of my, my thoughts on it and some of the other things I was exploring in the in the play around,
0: around that. Yeah. I love all that though. Well, my final question for this first part is, who do you hope have access to a good day to me, not to you?
1: Oh my God. Everybody and anyone. Anyone. I, I want, I, I don't, you know, When I was young and still now, you know, theater tickets are expensive and they're, you know, it prevents you from going to see theater. And then which means that only a sort sort of certain demographic of people can come to the theater, which is incredibly frustrating. And we don't want to do that. And that's what I love about Waterwell, because they've made the tickets as cheap as a dollar. And I love that because I want anyone to come. I want anyone to come and, and, you know, I will say what I've really been struck by during the development process and conversation with different audience members is that it's different kinds of people who've come to me who've related to different aspects of the show, which is really heartening. Which means it's like, come one, come all, you know? And I just, this is a longer conversation for another time, but I'm of the mind that you we we should be taking theater into communities. We should be taking ourselves into communities right now and i think making making theater as accessible as possible is is important because it is good for humanity it is it is just essential because we're going to be seeing people we don't see normally on stage representations is vital it's vital to like a, not only to growth and empathy but also just just sort of uh, just, for the for the continuation of humanity, how how edifying to 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 what? I'm not I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about all of the kinds of work that I see that has changed me, that's helped crack me open and crack my own assumptions open. I want that for myself. That's freedom and that's real connection. Everyone, I want everyone who, who wants to see it to be able to come anybody who who wants to see it to be able to come and Yeah. I mean that might you know maybe it's not for for you, but at least you got to come, you know. <laughs> and then you'd be like, that's not my taste. And I'm happy I know that. Great. It's not lost. It's not lost at any point. Ever. And you know, the whole point of this is connection. The whole point of me putting this stuff down on paper is I don't know what to do with these things that I feel and think I'm going to put them somewhere. It's going to be here. And then I'm going to take them out this way in a really vulnerable, scary way. (laughs) And hope that they're received by whoever they need to be received. Hope it's received by whoever needs to receive it. So you won't know until you open the doors to everyone.
0: We have. I do want to change things up. Let our listeners get to know you a little bit more. And I can't let you go without asking my favorite question, which is, "What is your favorite theater memory?"
1: Okay, I we were doing my play, uh, a play that I wrote with Jacob Cater, a fellow, a fellow writer, called "Food and Fadwa," and it was about a Palestinian woman living in Bethlehem who was pretending to have her own cooking show. Yeah, so there's a lot of comedy around it. And one preview, and I was doing this show with all my friends and with my theater company at the workshop, and it was such a fulfilling and beautiful experience, And but it was not without, you know, some trials. There was one one preview, and Arian was actually in the show too. He played like this very, very funny character, where almost everyone in the cast, except, with the exception of three people, had gotten an insane flu. An insane flu, yes. We had our own little (laughs) company pandemic. And our stage manager was sick and this was a student matinee, okay? So we're kind of explaining to them like, ah, what are we gonna do? We gotta do this for the kids, you know? And so essentially, one of my friends who had brought her class, who knew the play really well, got on stage with me. (laughs) We did like the first quarter of the play then we couldn't do the rest because the rest of our actors were gone. And so I just went up there and I was trying to explain it and narrate it. And my friend Layla Bach, who's an incredible performer and activist, came on stage and she was kind of doing it for me. You know, we were telling the story to the kids who were in it. They were in it. And we were just like, we told them the story and how it unfolded in this very bizarre way. And we theatricalized it as much as we could. And they were in an incredible audience very vocal very invested and they stayed and we talked to them afterwards and i was just like uh, my i my heart was so full it was so full that we could be that that we could have that experience because you know students kids they don't mess around they're not gonna act pretend like they like what's happening you know what i mean they will give you the most raw response and the the fact that they were on board with what we had to do to fulfill the, that day's show was so ex- extraordinary. It was so much fun, yeah.
0: Wow, that is incredible. <laughs> I love that. I wish I could have been in the audience to see. <laughs> that. That's incredible. That is storytelling at its best right there. That's amazing. Thank you yes. so much for sharing that.
1: Wow. Of course, of course. We're super, super
0: fun. Well, that leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about A Good Day to Me, not to you, or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do that?
1: Oh, well, they could definitely go through my website. I think that's probably the cleanest way to go. It's dot Also, I'm on Instagram. Um, And, you know, I think you could probably go through Waterwell as
0: well. Yeah. Well, Lamise, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been so much fun. I want to do this again. You're you have stories for days. I oh. want to hear all of them. Oh. I want to see them all up on stage because this is incredible. So thank you for taking the time to speak with us about your incredible show. I cannot wait to see it. Oh, I and can't
1: wait to have you. I hope you I hope you'll both make it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Done and done. So oh. thank you very much. My guest today has been the Drama Desk award-winning performer and playwright, Lamise Isak, whose upcoming world premiere show, A Good Day to Me, Not to You, is kicking off Waterwell's 20th anniversary. It's playing November 8th through December 9th at the Connolly Theater, and you can get your tickets and more information to this fantastic show by visiting waterwell.org. We also have some contact information for Lamise as well as Waterwell, and we'll be posting that on our episode description as well as on our social media post. But make sure you join us between November 8th and December 9th at the Connolly Theater to check out this great show, A Good Day to Me, Not to You. A wonderful storytelling tour de force Lamise is putting on. You're not going to want to miss it. We can't wait to see it. We'll let you know when we'll be in attendance, but get your tickets now for A Good Day to Me, Not to You, playing November 8th through December 9th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater.
1: In a stage whisper.
0: Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod, and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com.